Hi, this is GP Mac, and welcome to the Christmas 2020 edition of the Liberty Relearn podcast. So, as the title may suggest, uh, we're going to talk about Christmas, um, the Christian religion in general, uh, our Judeo-Christian values, and how they tie into conservatism and uh, how they tie into uh, things like the founding of our country, the founding of America. So first, I hope everybody uh, listening to this is happy and healthy. Maybe you're just about to celebrate Christmas or you're celebrating it. Uh, So hopefully this will find you well and uh, sometimes we just need a break from the world Uh, so I think that's what we're going to do today Um, I think we're going to put a lot of the politics behind and we'll just talk about uh, get to the real fundamentals of how Christianity uh, relates to America and America relates uh, back to Christianity. So the first thing I want to do um, is leave you or uh, impart this quote. Um, it's Jesus saying this uh, in John uh, chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it, I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. And really, I think that's, you know, if you had to encapsulate what uh, Christ's gift to us was, at least uh, what uh, believers believe that Christ's gift to us was, it it was this, uh, the peace that he left with us. Uh, And in this quote, I think it's very important that he says it's not the peace as the world gives you but the peace as I give it to you Uh, meaning I think that those are two different things and there's a uh, I guess a sense of morality that comes from man uh, the law of man or the the rule of man but Jesus here isn't talking about that. He's talking about the rule of God. Um, and I think that this really kind of, um, there may be a couple of different passages, of course, but this one I think sums it up for me, what he brought to us, uh, the idea that you know, we can have peace but it's not necessarily um, the peace of this world. It's the peace of knowing that you'll go on to eternal life if you follow uh, his way. Um, he also says, "No one comes through. No one comes uh, to the kingdom of God but through him and through his teachings." And again, at least that is what uh, we Christians believe. Uh, So this is a 
Christmas show, and so yes, we are going to talk about Christian themes. Um, I think you get enough of Santa Claus and the secular vision of of Christmas, which is fine. You know, the gift giving and being nice to others and being charitable to others. Um, but there's more to Christmas, obviously, than gift. And of course, the reason that we have this tradition of gift giving is because of the gift that God gave to us. Uh, and that was his only son, Jesus Christ. Now again, um, if you're not a Christian, um, maybe this is not going to, you know, ring true to you or resonate with you hopefully uh you can see past my words and the religious doctrine and at least see the wisdom of these thoughts that have been put out and at least be tolerant that they are uh you know it's what christians believe and i think it's what makes Christianity and the Judeo-Christian value system um, work for us. I think even it's important to know that we do live in what's basically a Judeo-Christian nation that was founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. Um, we'll talk about what those some of those principles were. Um, but right now, I want to um, talk about something a little bit should be more familiar, at least to most of us. I think most of us grew up uh, watching every year around this time the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I know it was one of the things that was like, you know, this, it was one of the shows that made the Christmas season for me. Uh, and it's really, when you look at it, it's really amazing that this sort of thing got by the censors, even in the day where, you know, you have Linus, as I'll, I'll describe to you in a minute, uh, quoting directly from the Bible. Um, it's really, it's really amazing that, you know, one wonders if, uh, the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special could be made today. And so, I mean, this is one that, that if you watch it, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. You really should watch it with your kids. I mean, because there's a lot of great Christmas specials on. Uh, you know, you have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and uh, the story of Santa Claus and and about 10 different version of Christmas Carol, which is also a great uh, Christmas story about the true meaning of Christmas. But I said to have actual quotes from the Bible um, on national TV, even like, I think this is about over 50 years old. So even before uh, the secular progressives took over, uh, most of the networks, you know, and there was, there was not even half of the, uh, you know, there was no, this was before the war on Christmas. 
um, the fact that this came out uh, it still kind of blows my mind that this ever got into network TV, but now, thank God it has, and it's a classic, and it's definitely one uh, you should watch if you have kids, watch with your kids. Um, of course, you know, the guilty pleasure of us adults is that Charlie Brown uh, still works, you know, no matter what age you are. And I think that's the sign of, like, classic TV, a classic story. As it relates to you no matter how old you are. So I'm just going to read this. Uh, it's from a Charlie Brown Christmas. And this is where, um, of course, there's the disaster with the little tree. Charlie Brown is being humiliated. And uh, he's asking Linus about the true meaning of Christmas. So we're going to pick up from this that part of the story where okay this is Charlie Brown speaking I guess you're right Linus I shouldn't have picked this little tree said Charlie Brown everything I do turns into a disaster I guess I don't really know what Christmas is all about isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about sure Charlie Brown I can tell you what Christmas is all about said Linus Walks, Linus walks to center stage. Lights, please. And of course, this is all happening as all of the Peanuts characters are arranging for this nativity play. Um, and they're doing all these musical numbers and they're trying to be really elaborate and kind of losing the sense of Christmas in all this. And, and Charlie Brown and Linus are getting a little bit discouraged, but uh, Linus is a little bit, uh, I guess, more knowledgeable, uh, more historically literate than Charlie Brown. So he's going to uh, encourage Charlie Brown. And he's kind of like setting the whole really Peanuts crowd straight that have been taking things too far and the commercialism of Christmas. So... Linus says, uh, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Said Linus, he walks to center stage. Lights, please. And they were in the same in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were sore afraid. And the angels said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Jesus Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will towards men. And this of course comes from uh the Gospel of Luke. And Elias uh this 
uh, picks up his blanket and shuffles off stage. And meanwhile, Peanuts characters are kind of left speechless and stunned for like the whole time that night. I think this is the first time they ever really heard the true meaning, the true uh, story of Christmas and first time they ever heard Christmas uh, mentioned or explained in its original and true context away from the commercialism. And so even today, um, I think it's easy to say, you know, all of the buying of gifts and going out, and even in this uh, world of COVID, you still see uh, malls and stores packed. You see, you know, lines going from one end of the store to the other. Uh, even in this, you know, uh, COVID world we live in at the moment. So, it's pretty interesting and I, it never, you know, at least in my adult years, uh, it doesn't cease to amaze me that they actually let this air on network TV. Uh, but it does, and it has been on for uh, over 50 years now. Uh, it's great. It's well worth the watch. Even if you, you know, with the magic of YouTube, you can YouTube uh, this scene. You can have the scene, uh, play the just the scene, or you can play probably the whole thing. But this is well worth the watch. And you know, among like a lot of just like playing crap out there, for lack of a better way of putting it, this is like still like you know probably at the top of Christmas stories. You know, parting the true meaning of Christmas. And this packet passage um, is also uh, talks about fear and overcoming fear. And if you listen to the last episode, uh, that was kind of the focus, the theme of the episode is uh, how fear uh, can be the enemy, can be uh, controlling people, can be used as a tool for controlling people. And here you have, you know, the angel Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And again, the, the message is that, you know, you have these people, these shepherds minding their flocks in the field, they see this bright light, and then the angel comes and of course these people are like terrified of what they see they have no idea so they're they're fearful they're terrified and so what's the first thing that god through his angel does is he tells the people not to fear and the reason that they don't uh have to fear anymore is that the the savior has come and i think um you know you can imagine how this relates to uh in the you know particularly in the covid world we live in uh, there's a lot of people running around there's a lot of fear going around and all of this fear 
is leading to what the um, the taking of our liberties and our rights away from us. Uh, every little bit of it is being done through fear, fear of getting this disease. Now, of course, rationally, you know, it is a disease. It can be fatal to a small percentage of the people who get it. Uh, problem is that we know who are, uh, you know, we know a great deal about a lot of the people uh, who have to worry about it, who have something to fear from it. There are the older people, and there is, you know, there are also people with other uh, comorbidities, you know, the diabetes, the heart disease, and other uh, related illnesses. And, but there is a number of people who get it who seem to be perfectly healthy, and they have trouble, they have, they run into deep trouble or even die from the disease. And it's that fear of the unknown, uh, that the fear of that, even that small, maybe infinitesimal chance that you may be in that, you know, 0.2% or that 0.4% of the people who can die from this disease. Uh, still not knowing, you know, which side you're going to fall on. Uh, that does generate a lot of fear. Uh, and some of that fear, of course, is well-founded, but uh, it's easy to see how some of our leaders immediately picked up on that fear and started using it to gain control over us and power for, for themselves. And, of course, I've spoken at length about some of the uh, more hypocritical uh, people and how their ass, their uh, hip hypocrisy is not really uh, hypocrisy from their point of view. From their point of view, they set their themselves above us. They are the elite among us, and so they don't follow the rules. And but they know as much as COVID as anybody does, or at least anybody who's you know educated themselves on the matter and you know they're not afraid you know Gavin Newsom wasn't afraid of COVID enough not to go to that birthday party a few weeks ago uh, Lori Lightfoot was not afraid enough to not get her hair done um, same thing with Nancy Pelosi she was not afraid of COVID enough to uh, not get her hair done and, and there's all of these cases of hypocrisy people telling us to do one thing and then they do it the other and of course you've heard me uh, speak at length at how their you know the reason that they they the what points to their belief what points to their um, hypocrisy as being actually them acting in congruity to their beliefs is they're simply not the beliefs that we expect them to hold. We expect them, you know, our leaders to 
uh, hold themselves to the same standards that they want to hold us to, but they believe themselves above those standards. They believe themselves above those laws, and um, they do it because they, in many cases, they believe themselves are betters. And that's why I say when they act with seeming hypocrisy, they're actually acting with integrity, but it's just not integrity to the values that we think they ought to be acting with integrity with. They're acting with integrity to different values that, that say that they're better, that are that they are not our equals, that they are our betters. But of course, um, Christians believe that there's something more. Uh, these people are promise, promising us uh, the peace in a way that the world gives peace. Um, when Jesus refers to giving peace in the way the world gives it, that's what these leaders are telling us. They're giving uh, peace in the way the world gives us, but it's not the way that the Creator gives us peace. But if you believe in the things I've said and in, in the words of Scripture I, I just read to you, um, if you believe in them and, and the rest of them, then you know that there's another level to existence and that the peace that we really seek is God's peace. And that's the gift that we got on that first Christmas night. Um, you know, it wasn't the gold frank frankincense and merv. It was the gift of that person who would bring us to introduce us how to, how to achieve that peace that's not of this world, that is of the next world. And, but how does that, again, you know, try to relate this back to conservatism? Um, the people who are trying to control us, they believe that they can do so uh, because they don't believe themselves to be our equals. But our, our country was founded on the proposition that all men, and by extension, all women, all men are, and women were created equal under the eyes of God. And that's literally written into our founding documents. And of course, our founding fathers, the ones who wrote those words, those documents that spoke of all men being created equal and about the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They were all students of the great enlightenment philosophers of the day. So they would have been familiar with the works of Locke, uh, Rousseau, Hume, all those great thinkers of the day. And, uh, and yeah, some of those uh, philosophers had different viewpoints about uh, philosophy and different uh, philosophical uh, conclusions that they drew. But the founders were well-versed in all of them. Uh, so now, just to give a quick example of uh, one of those, John Locke, uh, what he said, uh, he said, for, for men being 
all the workmanship of one omnipotent and infinitely wise maker, all the servants of one sovereign master, sent into the world by his order and about his business, they are his property, whose workmanship they are, made to last during his, not one another's, pleasure. And that is one of, I think, the principles from John Locke that the the founders really uh, believed in. And uh, he also uh, says in this second treatise on, on government, men being by nature all free, equal, and independent, no one can be put out of this estate and subjected to the political power of another without his own consent. Uh, that is not what our leaders on the left believe. Uh, so let me read that again. Maybe this time a little more clearly. Uh, men being by nature all free, equal, and independent, no one can be put out of this estate, meaning this state of affairs, and subjugate, um, subjected to political power of another without his own consent. And so that means that the leader's true, true governor, governorship comes from the consent of the governors. That's the only form of legitimate governorship. Uh, and that is because that they uh, all men are free and equal and independent, as he says. And to try and subjugate uh, people uh, through political power goes against the natural order or natural laws of things. And John Locke believed in... Uh, there's the the legal rights and there are uh, natural rights. And those legal rights are the ones that the government gives you, that kind of privileges or rights that governments give to people. But he also believed that men were uh, born with some inalienable rights. You know, as Jefferson said, the, the life... Uh, you know, life, liberty, and pursuit of property or pursuit of happiness as it uh, came out in the declaration. And you can see now that the people um, who are using fear to govern us uh, through the state of emergency with COVID, they don't believe in this. They don't believe and John Locke, uh, who was one of the uh, influencers of the Founding Fathers. They believe that the rights are what the government tells you you have, or what the, what the government uh, has the right to tell people what to do, uh, because the, the government is not derived, you know, they, it doesn't, their power doesn't get derived from the consent of the people. It gets consent, it's derived from controlling the people. 
and the way they control people most of the time is through fear. Um, that could be fear of a disease, but it could also be fear of the world ending in some cataclysmic uh, climate catastrophe. It could be uh, governing through fear um, in more subtle ways, saying that you know if uh, if you don't elect us the other guys, they're going to take away your social security or they're going to take away your your grandmother's pension or they're going to uh, uh, get your sons and daughters killed in some war. So they really uh, use the element of fear and of course with the cold COVID-19 thing happening uh, and then you have this age of social media, and of course the the thought, the the philosophies of these people, you know, the leftist philosophies is in, in ascension after fifty or sixty years of being taught on college campuses. It's now in ascension. It's now uh, pervasive and mainstream, and so you have a whole generation. Uh, leaders or would-be leaders of us who don't believe in uh, the ideas of uh, that the the human beings have their own agency uh, to affect their own decisions. They don't affect. Uh, they don't believe as John Locke did and the founders did that um, all men are created equal and are endowed by their creators with certain unable, unable, inalienable rights. Uh, they don't believe that. They believe that their knowledge and their expertise, uh, their, um, should I put it, their, um, you know, their, their level of um, expertise in certain subjects or their education level sets them above the common man and gives them the right to rule over their fellow man. Because obviously, you know, the whole central idea of leftism, particularly as you would see it today expressed in the COVID-19 situation is we know better than you you must listen to us if you if you don't listen to us then think bad things are going to happen and of course they feed all this information to you very specific information uh that builds up the fear in people that keeps that that fear response going and keep you uh reacting to fear and they very carefully and very systematically uh, weed out any information that counters that narrative. So you have, uh, say, a drug comes along that's exceedingly cheap, that's been proved safe by the FDA. I'm not going to mention this drug. I think you know what I'm talking about. But they have this drug that would be the perfect answer, seemingly, to this crisis. 
and it comes along and what do they do they they build the fear uh in relation to this drug they say it's not safe well obviously you know uh that's not necessarily the truth uh they'll say it's not safe taking it's not safe if you take it you can die uh and then all sorts of stuff and then they come up with these studies that were conveniently paid for uh most of the time by people who are trying to to further this notion and so you have uh, a drug coming out and really being uh bad-mouthed and really um talked about unfairly um without all of the data you know they cherry pick the data that they want to follow that helps build a, a sense of fear of this drug uh, and the sense of apprehension about using this drug and they go so far as to outlaw its use in some cases uh, meanwhile uh, you can see that's been used for uh, 50 60 70 years or so it's been used probably tens of millions of times over the over those uh, 60 years or so that it's been in existence and uh it's available and they downplay its role um like i said i think they had a lot of people uh convinced that it was unsafe and so they need that fear because what would happen you know if drug that worked come along it was cheap and it was effective and it could uh virtually cure COVID nineteen if taken at the right time and, and uh uh assuming there is no you know allergic reaction to it. You know, what would that do? Well that would bring down the fear level because now you're thinking, well, you know, if I get COVID nineteen, I'm just gonna take this drug, it's safe, it's effective. Uh, it's very good uh, at uh, creating a virtual cure for this disease. And what happens, the, the fear level goes down and their ability to control you goes down. So, of course, you could imagine uh, one could have predicted um, really, uh, um, you know, hindsight being 2020. But no, I think one could have predicted that something like this would happen and of course if the you know god forbid there's another pandemic in a few years ago and say this hypothetical disease can be treated by some drug that's uh, cheap and easy to obtain and easy to uh, create and distribute uh you can pretty much bet that whatever this drug is uh, whatever this new disease is, that somehow there's going to be a reason for you not to take that drug. And so I think they've established a, a precedent, one that we should be wary of in the future. Because obviously there's been SARS and there's been swine flu and there's been various other, you know, Ebola and other various epidemics and pandemics throughout the years. And I'm sure uh, this virus is not going to be the last one. So I think we can predict with confidence that those people uh, who seek power through us in, 
and who seek to control us through fear will definitely badmouth any uh, any uh, treatment or any drug that seems to either cure it or treat it very well. Uh, any you know anything that would reduce your fear of that disease. And of course, they're doing that now uh, with the vaccines. Um, they very deliberately built up this apprehension uh, and tried to tie it to uh, Trump as if he were creating the vaccine in the basement of the White House, you know, using test tubes and directing all of these scientists, you know, do this, do that, and do this. Um, obviously, none of that was the case. And now that it seems like their man has won and gotten the White House, well, now all of a sudden, um, you know, they've they've stopped the fear-mongering about this vaccine. But now they've gone into saying that, oh, no, it's not the vaccine that's going to end this. Uh, you know, you have people with Bill Gates saying that, you know, it could be 18 months before you know, where it truly can go back to normal. Now, obviously, his objective is saying that is to give the vaccine to all of these other countries. Uh, there's a lot of people, Bill Gates, have suggested that, you know, you have to give the vaccine to everybody else, you know, to be truly rid of it and truly go back to normal. But if you think about it, that makes no sense, particularly if you have a, a vaccine that's as, as effective as this one seems to be. And of course, as I'm speaking, uh, FDA has just approved the Moderna vaccine. And I think it's uh, developed in, along the same lines. So and it has a similar effectiveness rate and it looks good. Uh, this like the original uh, Pfizer vaccine you know, seems to have a better than 90%, maybe 95% or better uh, success rate uh, so far with the original vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine. There have only been a, a couple, few bad cases where people had bad reactions to it. Of course, with any treatment, there's always going to be someone uh, that it won't work on who will be uh, a class of people or a group of people who be uniquely unseated, unsuited for it, they'll have some sort of allergic to it. So, you know, any that's true for pretty much any drug or vaccine or treatment, there's always somebody it doesn't work for or uh, can be harmful against. But it's interesting to see, like, after building up for months all this apprehension, saying, well, you know, uh, Trump rushed the vaccine through. So therefore, you should really be cautious about taking it. Um, when really, um, you know, it's it's really ridiculous to think, like I said, that, you know, it's not Trump making the vaccine in the basement of the White House, you know, uh, with a team of uh, scientist slaves, I guess that's what we're meant to believe, you know, working on this vaccine, you know, like it was uh, some sort of uh, project by some mad scientist from James Bond or something of that nature. They tried to build it up like that. And, of course, the, the reason that they do that 
is because the vaccine uh, takes away the fear. Uh, once you're vaccinated, you know, why do you have to fear COVID-19? Well, they're already telling you that, yes, you need to be afraid still of COVID-19, even if you get vaccinated. And, of course, this sort of vaccine needs two doses. Um, so you take you know, the idea is that you take two doses uh, several weeks apart and that that builds your immune system up uh, against this vaccine. And apparently after taking both doses, uh, at least for the version that we have now, uh, after taking both dosage, uh, they've seemed to have somewhat, something upwards of a 95%, 94-95% success rate. I think uh, Moderna's claiming even a higher success rate than Pfizer's, but again, we'll see. Uh, the proof is in the pudding, but so far it looks good. Um, and of course, every every bad every bad reaction that anybody has is going to be widely publicized. And of course, you know why. Well, of course, yes, we do need to know that some people are can be susceptible. Some people may not be able to take this vaccine. And of course, as more people get the vaccine, we'll have a better handle upon all that. Who's you know. Who can take it? Who can't? You know, who's at risk? Uh, things of that nature. But I think you're going to really see a big hype of every single case of this vaccine that has a bad reaction. And the reason for that is, well, I mean, obviously it would be good news. It's good, you know, good for us to know this information. But... I think we all know by now that the reason that they will hype any adverse effect is uh, to create fear because they need that fear. And they know that, you know, we know vaccines, um, flu vaccines, uh, some say are, can, might only be 40% effective, 50% effective. Maybe a really good one will be 60% effective. But you have this vaccine that's virtually uh, completely effective and basically unless you have an adverse allergic reaction to it it's going to be effective at least for a period of time and the companies that make it seem to think that it will be uh, somewhere it'll be good for at least several months somewhere around three to five months uh, the companies are saying and they also said that you know it's uh, I think it was the Moderna vaccine, I think, is the one that claimed that no one who took it uh, had uh, died from COVID-19. So I think that's, you know, they're they're saying that in that regard, it's, it's 100% effective. Now, obviously, if should someone take the vaccine and catch, and catch COVID-19, you know, someone is going to be, unfortunately, in that 5 or 4 to 5% that catches the disease. And maybe a portion of that 4 to 5% will, unfortunately, end up dying. Um, and it could be that they'll have other comorbidities. Um, but those will be widely uh, proclaimed 
you know, throughout the land. Um, and, and so expect to hear uh, horror tales of, you know, kind of blowing out of proportion, you know, every ill effect of this um, vaccine. You're going to, you know, just be prepared to hear bad things about it. Uh, hear bad a- anecdotal evidence. Yeah, of course, it's interesting that, that what, you know, what does Dr. Fauci say about uh, the use of hydroxychloroquine? And when people say that hydroxychloroquine was good, was helpful in alleviating the symptoms of COVID-19, what does doc- Dr. Fauci always say? He says it's anecdotal. And so, you know, as if that, if something, if someone gets cured from, or, you know, help from hydroxychloroquine, that, that cure or that, uh, good outcome doesn't, it never happened, you know, cause it's anecdotal, he'll say, but notice, uh, how they'll switch gears, maybe not Dr. Fauci himself, but I'm sure others around him, uh, particularly on the news, you'll probably hear. Um, some of the, you know, quote, unquote, medical experts on the, on some of the cable news channels, um, you know, really highlighting any adverse effect at all. Anybody who, who takes the vaccine and gets COVID-19, you're going to hear a lot about that. Uh, and they're going to blow it really out of portion. They're going to give it more weight. They're going to give those negative cases more weight than really they deserve. And all this will be to keep the fear going. Um, The fear that they need to control you. Because they know that once you you have the vaccine, uh, you know that it's 94% effective or even more effective. Uh, and you're virtually, you know, if you take it, uh, unless you have an adverse reaction immediately, then probably, you know, you're almost, you know, I mean, there's never, never anything's hundred percent in medical science, but almost as close to hundred percent as you can imagine in the world of science and medicine, that's how effective this vaccine uh, appears to work at least if um, the vaccine companies are to believed, and so they're they're going to need that fear, and they know that uh, sooner or later they, the the people are going to get the vaccine, and they're going to lose their fear of this, this this disease, and these people who depend upon the, that fear to control us bite tooth and nail. And they're going to uh, exaggerate every claim against COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. They're going to insist that, no, 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 uh, you can still get it, and people are still getting it. And, of course, they're going to take our, you know, the ignorance of the people, and lack of understanding of the people that, you know, not everybody's going to be able to get this vaccine at once, maybe uh, several months. You know, we're talking about, you know, I think I, I think about 100 million people they're trying to give this vaccine to. And of course, there's something that they're going to have to uh, 
give people two, and then maybe every couple months, you're going to have to get a booster shot until until really all the cases dwindle down. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to focus on the number of cases. Um, but it, anybody with common sense knows that if you give it to the right people, if you know who is being, who's dying or at most risk of death from COVID-19, you know it's the older people. You know it's people with comorbidities such as diabetes, uh, hypertension, um, other uh, heart conditions, things of that nature. And if you can focus on just those people who maybe represent uh, only a small fraction of the people, if you give it to only, I would say, 2 to 3% of the population, if it's, if it's the right 2 to 3%, you can actually knock down the deaths due to COVID-19, almost down to zero. And I think that's that really scares, talk about fear. Um, this That's one of the things that make uh, tyrants uh, fearful, is uh, when other people stop being afraid, uh, they lose their power. And, and these tyrants know it, and they're going to do everything that they can. And I predict... You'll hear every single case of someone having a bad reaction or someone getting COVID despite having uh, the uh, having get, gotten the the uh, vaccination, and you're going to hear about uh, problems in the supply chain. Of course, this is the vaccine, at least in one form, has to be kept extremely cold and so, so that's going to be hard to do and you're going to hear about that and maybe you're, maybe the vaccine you got wasn't kept cold enough and maybe it won't work so don't completely trust it you know listen to us you know don't trust this vaccine even though you got it because maybe it wasn't kept, kept cold enough long enough or maybe this or that, maybe that you're going to hear a lot of that and you're going to be given every reason in the world to doubt this vaccine. Because, again, once the fear of this virus is broken, then these people who depend on that fear to control us, uh, they lose their power. And that is really the way that it works with everything. Uh, not just, you know, COVID-19 just happens to be a stark example of it. But just about anything you can think of, um, people are manipulated through fear. And the only freedom uh, that comes is when people overcome that fear. And they, they gain that freedom back, or maybe they gain freedom for the first time uh, when they overcome that fear. And so it's very hard to control a people who are not afraid and of course, you know, after COVID nineteen is gone, there'll still be climate change, and that's the, really the whole purpose of climate change alarmism is to take something that you know should be maybe a concern to people. You know, obviously we don't want pollution, we don't want uh, poison water or toxic water or air or anything like that. We don't want any of that stuff. But the climate change alarmism 
is to develop fear of the soul. Really, the sole purpose of that is to develop fear that that uh, people can use to control us with. And of course, you know, COVID nineteen is another example of that. Uh, so another prediction that I think I can be confident making uh, is is if there is a Biden administration, as it looks like there's going to be, uh, look for a lot more uh, doubling down of the climate change alarmism because they need that. They need to be able to justify making, uh, giving themselves emergency powers because now with COVID-19 being almost like a trial run, you know, they know how to give themselves emergency powers and what they can do with those powers to take away the freedoms of people. Um, so kind of, uh, now just to bring everything full circle is, and that's why they also attack the church, uh, throughout all of this. They don't, you know, what was the first thing they closed was the church. And they tell you, if you go, if you go to church, you're basically killing people, which of course, you know, any place where people gather together, particularly in numbers can, can help spread the disease. But I don't think that people going to church or even for that matter, people uh, just dining out is being a large contributor to the spread of COVID-19. But that's, you know, they were very keen to take out church. Uh, and it just happened to be very convenient to to knock people out of their pews for fear of catching a disease. And some, and some of that fear, yes, may have been founded. And yes, you can catch a disease if you're close enough to somebody for long enough, you can certainly catch this disease. Um, but they made a point to knock it out, and that's why even now they're resisting. Uh, and you're going to hear more of that. Um, you know, they're going, they're going to push people. And of course, you know, this being Christmas season, everybody wants to go to, to Christmas services. They're really going to push hard against people not going because that's how people who get out of the habit of going to church, they go to church every Sunday and then something happens maybe a family emergency or something like COVID or happens. They get out of the habit of going to church. And so they, uh, and what happens is then Christmas and Easter is kind of the obligatory for most people to go back to church. And these are where, this is where most people who've lost the habit of going to church regain it if they're going to regain it. Uh, this is their excuse to go back to church and, and get back into habit. And so I think you're going to see really hard uh, pushes. And some of it, I think, is going to be really obvious. Uh, when you see, if you know to look out for it, uh, pushes against people attending Christmas masses. I think it's um, it's really going to be obvious in some cases what they're really trying to do. Uh, it's it's to preserve their fear because, of course, the other thing that going to church does it, it kind of uh, 
to mitigate your fear of death if you know there's an afterlife waiting for you then you know particularly if you're extremely aged or vulnerable you know that kind of you know serves to uh, lose your fear of death we you know there's afterlife and they want you to they want to separate you from anything that would mitigate your fear of this disease and church obviously for the religious is one of the things that does it and for everybody else anybody else the religious or non-religious you know something like a vaccine is one of those other things that mitigates their fear but again uh tying everything in together from to the beginning that was the very first thing that the angel angel gabriel told the shepherds in the fields is do not be afraid for a savior has come and that really is maybe if not the greatest one of the greatest gifts that god gave us is uh, giving us a reason uh, a little bit of insight uh, or wisdom or whatever you want to call it that allows us not to fear uh, it was the very first thing that they that the shepherds in the field were were told upon the birth of jesus and so uh some stuff to think about really too much uh, to get into in a single hour so we'll be revisiting this uh, maybe not as quite in religious context but we'll be re revisiting these themes again and again so i apologize if you're not overly religious if you're not christian uh, hopefully you still got something out of this uh basically you know if nothing else you know religion among other things um things that alleviate the fear in people of the unknown or bad things coming uh, those people who would control us would control you and me they want you to be afraid they use fear to control us so anything that alleviates that fear they're against and so now that you're, you're aware of it maybe you'll be on the lookout for it so again merry christmas to everybody who's listening uh happy hanukkah and happy new year i hope uh we all come uh this year on the other side in, in 2021 uh still healthy healthy and happy and hopefully to see you all on the other side of course we have i guess we have one more broadcast for this year at least more one more podcast to be held this year but uh again merry christmas uh be not afraid let your hearts not be troubled and also uh just can't help but uh telling you to uh listen to the podcast next week and tell your friends if you liked it uh look us up on facebook uh look us up online www.libertyrelearn.com and uh we'll talk to you after the holidays all right Stay good.